It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the season-ending edition for Auburn basketball. Justin Ferguson right here, late night on Sunday night in Greenville, South Carolina. Painter Sharpless up there in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. So, Painter, I don't think if we would have said earlier in the week, hey, this would be the last podcast we would do recapping an Auburn game, Auburn basketball game this season, I don't think we would have been stunned. I think, obviously, Miami was fully capable of beating Auburn, even though Auburn was the favorite and had good matchup advantages in this one. Uh, obviously, Auburn's lost to teams it's better than this season. Uh, but the way it happened, just everything about pretty much about the conclusion to this Auburn basketball season was so – you know, unexpected, I think. I think there were a little bit, there's just a few aspects of the game where you're like, okay, that played out kind of how you might have thought, but there was so much that didn't. And now we're talking about one of the greatest seasons for in Auburn basketball history coming to an end in the worst possible way. Um, you play your worst game at the end, you lose by a lot more than you had all season. The guys that got you there, or the key guys that got you there, the top guys that got you there, uh, played some of their worst basketball uh, of the season. So uh, you put all that together, it was just a bizarre and brutal ending, I think, for a team and in a season that had so many high points and had so ha- had so much to hang its hat on. Uh, just it went completely sideways on them in this one. It's mostly irrelevant. The only thing that's really tying them together is that they're the two best players to come through Auburn. That's I'm you know I'm I'm gonna go Charles Barkley and Jabari Smith and Jabari mm-hmm. hasn't made it to the league but it's neither here nor there like both of them with early tournament exits in their careers now Chuck played for a couple of seasons but uh, tough tough when you have this good of a front court that this is how it comes to an end yeah it's just a sh- in shocking fashion I think for that front court specifically Auburn. Losing 79-61 to Miami. Uh, Miami's off to the Sweet 16. Auburn's season is over, and this will be it for this collection of players. There will be changes uh, to the roster. Um, you know, Jabari Smith said he hadn't made his decision, but, I mean, we all know what that's going to end up being. I think you can kind of probably feel the same way about Walker Kessler as well. Wouldn't be surprised if there's some other movement just because it's college basketball offseason and, and the transfer portal is such a big you know, part of the equation. Auburn's bringing in guys. Um, they're they're trying to recruit even more. Uh, this is gonna be it's gonna be a, a change. I don't think it might. I don't think it's gonna be necessarily the same overhaul as we saw this past off season. But it's gonna be a lot of change happening, and for it to go out this way is a real stunner. And uh, it starts with that front line. Um, this was a game coming in where we thought Miami just guard oriented team, very small team did not have the size and, and, and the defensive ability if they weren't causing turnovers to hurt Auburn um, a, a, as much on that end of the floor. Lo and behold, yeah, turnovers were an issue to a degree. 13, they only had five in the second half. Um, but Auburn was down by one at the break, and and, and they lose by 18. And, and one of the biggest differences where they just – I got shut down on defense by a team that this season has not shut down really anybody just playing straight up. Auburn shot 30% from the field, one of their worst shooting performances of the season. Um, in fact, I think it might have been the worst uh, when it came down to effect, uh, 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 effective field goal percentage. Yeah, 
even worse than the Missouri game. Um, you know, uh, five of 26 from deep, uh, 16 of 43 from two-point range against a team in Miami that had been one of the worst in the country, especially among, um, among power conference teams, at slowing people down. It was just like if they don't get turnovers, they give up buckets. And this one, they got turnovers and didn't give up buckets. Uh, Jabari Smith, 3 of 16, 1 of 8 from deep. Had 15 rebounds and and you know had some good moments in the in, in the game you know that weren't necessarily offensive but on offense minus 20 he was minus 20 and plus minus now he played more than anybody but um, you didn't get anything from him that you normally got and Walker Kessler gets in quick early foul trouble he goes 0 for six from the field so the guy used to be automatic all season long at the at the rim he had a stretch early in the second half where he missed point blank after point blank chances um, was not even a guy that even played down the stretch because, you know, he he was minus 15 and 13 minutes, and the guy who was playing instead of him, Jalen Williams, was Auburn's only guy other than Dylan Carwell, you know, in the positives and plus minus, and that's not a be-all, end-all stat, but things are working a little better for Auburn with Jalen Williams on the floor. So for it to go out this way against this, this is not Tennessee. This is not um, – Gonzaga, a team that has you know elite size and elite front court. This is a team that doesn't have an elite front court, but man, they played really, really well. Locked into their defensive game plan. Jabari Smith never got into a rhythm. Uh, Walker Kessler was not a factor in this game, and you would have thought coming into it, he could have been one of the big impact guys. Auburn's guards didn't necessarily play poorly. I mean, they couldn't shoot, but nobody could shoot in this game um, for Auburn. Uh, it was just. We thought that this season, and especially in this postseason, this would be won and lost by the guards. And that's usually true, and that had held true for every point in the season. And so for the last one to just take the rules, quote-unquote, of what we thought about Auburn basketball, especially in the postseason, and just chunk them out the window, it's one of those things where it's like it's so weird that it happened this way. Not surprising that Auburn lost because – Playing away from home against a team that obviously was good enough to make the NCAA tournament. You know, Auburn's lost to teams like that this year. They've lost to teams that didn't make the tournament. But in this situation, the way they lost was just so... It was just so anti-everything we've seen from this team this year. And so when I asked Bruce Pearl after the game kind of what happened and what what was the reason, um, he said, you know, I wish I had the answers, and if I had the answers, it probably wouldn't have happened. And, like, you know, that's an impossible answer. You know, that's a possible question to answer, I guess. But, I mean, it's just so bizarre and so weird. And I think the biggest issue with that, ultimately, for Auburn is going to be, if that's it for Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, which we likely we pretty much know for sure it is for Jabari, and it's probably likely for Kessler um, as the guy that people have talked about as a, as a first-rounder, Um the last image, not the lasting image, not the permanent image, not the season-long image, but the last thing you saw from those two guys, two of the most talented players to ever step on the floor at Auburn, two of the best players they're, they're ever going to have, I think, in the front court, for those two guys to combine for their worst performances of the season and that being a huge reason why Auburn's out, it's, it's, it's a real gut punch to not only them, but I think a lot of people because um, it was just so unexpected. Like, you know, you could not have scripted a loss like this for Auburn heading into it. And I don't think Miami would have either. Is depth overrated? <laughs> All right, explain. 
I just wonder, like, I think you can make an argument that Miami had less players, but guys who were able to effectively do things that some mm-hmm. of the guys down on Auburn's bench, like, are very limiting in certain aspects. But that being said, like, you go to the front court, the two best players having terrible nights. Jalen Williams, that was cool. Fantastic game for him. And you think next season he's probably going to be a key piece of the puzzle. Bruce said, you know, talked about building around him. And I'm not saying that Jalen Williams is necessarily going to be the superstar for this team next year and that they're not going to try and get, bring in more guys. I think Jalen Williams, the way he played in spurts this season, especially late in the year, uh, you know, in the postseason and some points in the year, I mean, he was very, very efficient. You could see where more minutes for him could be very, very good. But we know that Auburn is not going to stand pat. You know, if they're losing Walker Kessler and, and Jabari Smith, like we think they, they probably are going to be, they're not going to stand pat, um, especially in the front court. You think, you know, the guys they're bringing in who are committed right now or who have signed, you know, Trey Donaldson and, uh, and and Chance Westry, those are guys that are more backcourt players. Westry, you know, could probably be 3-4. I'll be interested to see what he ends up doing for Auburn. But if your two best players that are now out, you got to replace him. And Jalen Williams is a key piece of that. And, 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 and Dylan Carwell, I think will be a guy that steps up for Auburn next year. But, you know, we also know that um, you know, Auburn's not going to stand pat. And I think they're going to hit the transfer portal. And, you know, there are other guys, I think, um, I think in the most vague sense of the, of, of the word uh, the, the, of the terms here, the situation at LSU has opened the door for other players uh, who were committed or had signed there that Auburn can get involved with. Some of those guys are front court guys, and some of those guys are five-star type of talent guys. So that's going to be something to keep in mind. But as it relates to this game, um, it's so interesting, though, because the things we thought Auburn would be able to handle with, you could beat them inside. You could beat them um, you know, with your depth. Auburn's bench was great, 28 points to, to Miami's four, but... Miami had 48 points in the paint, and Auburn had 28. Auburn missed layups, and not all of them were point-blank ones. Um, you know, layups, I think, when people think, oh, well, they didn't shoot well or, you know, didn't hit as many layups as they should. Well, some of those are the most contested shots on the floor, uh, usually. Think about, you know, how much Walker Kessler has blocked or uh, impacted plays at the rim uh, this season. But that didn't work, and, and they didn't wear down. Miami had more energy. Um you know, Auburn didn't dominate the boards like you probably thought they would in this one. Uh, they had 17 offensive rebounds to Miami six, but they only had 11 second chance points. And the big one, 30 fast break point, points for Miami to, to Auburn's one. Um, you know Miami's athletic. You know Miami gets back on defense and they want to push the, the push the pace on offense, even though they're not a breakneck pace kind of team. But they forced steals and got buckets off of them. Uh, they were plus 15 in points off of turnovers in a game that ended you know plus 18. Um, for them. So when you were like, you know, depth being overrated, I just think it didn't matter this much in this one. And I think, you know, depth helped that you had Jalen Williams be able to step up. And Dylan Carwell, I think, had some really, you know, he only had one rebound was the only counting stat he had. But I thought he had some good defensive possessions in there in the first half that helped Auburn kind of spring this the comeback. But Miami has experience. And that experience overcame Auburn's talent and their depth in this one because – they punched Auburn in the mouth twice, um, and Auburn. I, it just think things kind of got away from them in this one. Um, I think that was kind of the, the 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 best way to describe it. 
Um, it's a young team that, you know, you know, they, they just couldn't get anything going. Meanwhile, Miami stuck to their game plan and, and, and played it really, really well because they're very well drilled in what they do. Jim Laranaga, I thought, you know, uh, did a great job of having every answer. Um, and, uh, his game plan and the execution, his team's execution of his game plan was excellent. And Auburn's just was not and Bruce you know, said that he probably could have started somebody, you know, a, a different lineup in the second half because um, the first half they had gotten off to such a bad start. But you saw the inexperience kind of sneak up and, and get them. And, sure, you, you shoot poorly, and, and Auburn's been able to come back this season. But against a really experienced Miami team that knew what they were doing um, because they've done it for so long under this staff, it's harder to come back on a team like that, um, especially when you just don't have any confidence. And, and Miami had all the confidence in the world in this one. They looked lifeless in the second half. I thought they went on a little run. It closed the first half, and it felt like they were settling and like they were going to come out in the second half and take control. They never did. Miami started with its own run. And to your point, I mean, you know, your four most important players, Wendell, KD, Jabari Walker, all freshmen or sophomores. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things that you have to. It's one of those things that you have to take into account, right? Miami had several fifth, sixth year guys starting for them in this game, and Auburn didn't. And so, you know, Auburn's talent's been able to overcome that. Um, but I think when things go sideways on you, you know, Auburn Auburn's youth and their inexperience, and the fact that they hadn't you know, hadn't played as much together. You know, in some games it came back and got them when you played some more experienced team stuff. But then in other times they were able to overcome it uh, by hitting shots and having talent. The shots weren't falling in this game. And so, uh, look, you know, the, the inexperience isn't an excuse this, this, this late in the year. I know some people are already, like, sitting here probably screaming at their at their devices saying that. And, and it's true because, you know, I'm not saying it's an excuse for why Auburn – lost and played the way they did because they played really, really poorly. But the mistakes Auburn made against a team with that much experience, I mean, it'll kill you every single time. This was not like Auburn was playing another team that was not even like an Arkansas, not like some of these teams that were young or, you know, freshly built. And I think also, you know, one of the things we've talked about throughout the year, one of the things that made this Auburn team so special is that they were so brand new. And even though they were very, very talented, everybody looked at them and said, eh, well, can they come together? That's why they were picked to finish fifth in the league. Instead, they win it. And then they get into the postseason where it's a, you know, a win or go home kind of thing. And both in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, when the eyes are you on you and the pressure's on you, um, they didn't deliver. And so, you know, that's one of those things where, if you want to have, you know, whatever opinion you want to have on this Auburn basketball team, I'm not going to police that, you know. I'm not going to police, people, you know, fans' reactions, especially in the heat of the moment. But your perspective of this team, you can find things that point out to defend it. I, You know, I think they're inexper- they were able to overcome their inexperience so much this season by their talent. I think Miami, the way they started and the way they just really, really – um, executed their game plan, and one that they've used. I mean, Jim Laranega was up at the podium after the game talking about a, a book he wrote in 1990 um, about the scramble defense, that kind of defensive style where it's like, man, we're not. It, Sam Wardenberg, uh, the big New Zealander after the game, said, my job's not to, you know, 
shut down Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler. I'm supposed to front those guys to try to get turnovers and, and just try to be the, the you know, get between them and the and the basket because if they get it on me, you know, like most of the time, one-on-one, they're going to beat you. So they ran that really, really well. And on top of that, Auburn just didn't play well. I mean, how many times have we seen teams in this NCAA tournament, especially from the SEC, this first weekend not play the game that they've had all season or not play the way, I mean, good teams going bad, teams that we thought were going deep, losing to teams no one thought they had a chance against. Not necessarily the same case with Auburn because of the way they ended the season and also from what Miami brought to the table. But, look, Miami beat Duke for a reason. Miami beat some really good, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, some really good basketball teams this season for a reason. Uh, North Carolina. Um, you know, they hammered North Carolina. They're going to the, they're going to the Sweet 16. They just put out Baylor. Um, I just think in those one-off situations, um, you know, it's it's relying on relying more on that talent. I think it just kind of speaks to wow, this team really got it right at the right time in the regular season. And I think it's kind of a reminder that things could have gone a lot more sideways in the regular season, but it didn't. That's why this is a team that we're talking about as a champion. Um, but it's just, I just keep going back to painter the fact that this was so, like matchup wise, you would think in this game where you're like, okay, if Miami forces a lot of turnovers and hits some triples, they'll, you know, they can hang and they can beat Auburn. They didn't force a ton of turnovers early. It was a problem. It wasn't as much in the second half, and they went three of fifteen from deep. They shot almost as poorly as Auburn did from deep, twenty percent to nineteen percent. And it didn't matter. They won this game by the things that matchup-wise coming in, you would have never thought they won that game on. Jabari Smith didn't play well. Walker Kessler was a non-factor. And their smaller guys won won down low over and over again, whereas Auburn's guys, the most consistent, most efficient players on the team this season, did not deliver. And that's just so weird. And I think that's kind of one of those things. It's it's, it's one of those that you're going to look back at March and you're like, man – you know, St. Peter's shouldn't have lost to or shouldn't have beaten Kentucky. And I think to a degree, Miami shouldn't have beaten Auburn the way they did and how much they did. It's kind of the same thing. March, March is wild for a reason. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, this was just so unpredictable the way it all came out. I'd say it's stunning the way they looked so ineffective on offense, but I don't really think that's true given what we saw over the last month and, at one point, but with Smith and Kessler, with Smith and Kessler being that ineffective, yeah, I mean there had been a consistency in their game, and also right. the pick and roll was so automatic at one point in the season and just wasn't there late. Nope, nope. Teams adjusted; they trapped well. I think some of these guard-oriented teams that just knew that you know what, if Kessler's getting to the basket, good night for all of us. If if Green's getting to the basket, that's it. I mean Auburn's best offense in this game was Wendell Green or. Katie Johnson trying to get to the basket and try to make something happen. They were more efficient on the inside than Smith and Kessler were. And, of course, Jalen Williams played a really good game, you know, 5 of 8, 2 of 3 from deep. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's shocked that Auburn comes out of this game where they shot 30% and 19% from the field, and you're, or 19% from deep, and you're like, okay, well, they struggled shooting the ball from, from deep. Their jump shots, you know, were not great most of the season. And if Smith's not hitting with his jump shot, Auburn's got a little chance to be being super effective um with those jumpers but i mean miami this wasn't texas a and this wasn't the texas a&m brand this was not what jacksonville state tried to do either this was not pack it in and, and and pray 
they extended. They got out there. They wanted to force turnovers and rip and strip. And Auburn's big guys never got into a rhythm, and they and they played poorly on, on top of that. And that's why that's why you're in this in this spot. Um, and against again against a, a, a Miami defense like they they haven't. Uh, I mean, I have to need to go and look it up. I don't think Miami's played this great a defense against anybody all year long. Yeah, this was the best. You know, Auburn shot worse than Florida A&M did or Lipscomb did against them this year. I mean, this is this is a team that routinely gave up big numbers on offense and big percentages on offense and just had to rely. That's how they beat USC. USC shot extremely well against them, but the turnovers cost them. I mean, this one, Auburn turned the ball over early, and by the time they figured it out, they never got they never got the offense going. Um, and that's that's a brutal way to go out because at times this year this offense was red hot and on fire um down the stretch of the season they just weren't they just weren't nearly as consistent and in this game the pieces that had been the most consistent dropped off in their consistency and that's that's why it looks so ugly that's why it looks so ugly and then Peter, on top of that we knew this miami team was great on offense but some of the baskets that auburn gave up on defense um were just baffling to see because that's you know that had been what they had hung hung their hat on all season long, and you give up seventy nine points to a team that only hit three threes, and they shot almost fifty percent from the field. I mean, you can chalk some of that up to just tough shot making, but there's some of that where it's just like, you know, you just got to be, you just got to be a whole lot better on, on that end of the floor, and, and Auburn wasn't. Yeah, that's a terrible game. They really, uh, they could never find it. I. I thought just for a moment at the end of the first half, but they came out in the second half, and <laughs> yeah, it's one of those games where you really do feel helpless. Felt like for all the talent we had, somehow that wasn't manifesting itself into any sort of weapon. Like it didn't feel like nope. anyone could be a weapon tonight on offense. No, I mean, outside of Jalen Williams, was there ever a time where you thought? Of, I mean, there was a little run that KD made, and like. Again, people will want to poke at the decision making of some of the guards in this game, and sure, but I mean that's not why you, you lost, right? You know, you say, well, maybe Jabari Smith should shoot more. He's three of sixteen in this game. He's one of eight from deep. I don't know, three of six from the line, which is rare for him. Um, that's not necessarily something where you're like, oh, if they had just done this, they'd have won. And like, yeah, you can question the coaching. I'm sure Bruce Pearl will take a ton of lumps for this internally um, because I think Larry Nega's team just executed his game plan. They had a better game plan, and they, and they did really, really well. And there were decisions that Auburn made with some of the rotations, some of the – it just didn't work. It just didn't work, and, and that's a huge reason why Miami won this game. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – I think I, – we thought that, you know, if Auburn was going to lose, it's been this track record this season, right? I mean, Auburn did not play. There was no time. There's, there wasn't a point in time this year. Maybe UConn on offense, okay? But since the UConn game, since the winning streak ended, the five losses Auburn had, okay, not a single one of them did you think, oh, Auburn played all right, or Auburn played well enough, and the other team just was better that day. It was the other team was better, yes, but Auburn played so poorly on top of it. And this was the end result. 
This is the end result. This is the worst efficiency they had all season on offense, and it was the fourth worst they had on defense all year long. And and that's on, that's in rating ratings wise uh, per 100 possessions. Right, I mean, it's just like everything kind of tumbled down on them, and I think that's what makes it more of a gut punch for fans, for the coaches, for the players. Is the it was that they didn't have the final four ending, you know, with Virginia, where you lost to the eventual national champion and hard fought and controversy and all that. You didn't have that. This was more like. The Clemson season, when you lost to Clemson in the second round in 18. But at least then you could say, oh, well, they were scuffling at the end of the year and the injuries were a big reason. Auburn did not play as well down the stretch of the season. Yes, they were better at the beginning of the year. I don't know the whole peak too soon thing. I don't know how much I necessarily believe in that because I think Auburn, you know, the, the Auburn had holes. They had flaws pretty much all year. It's just they got bigger and they got you know exaggerated or magnified in certain games and in certain matchups more. Um, but yeah, it's just like you lose your worst game of the season. You play your worst of the game of the season at the end. And that's, you know, you don't get, you don't even get the satisfaction. I think if you're a player or a coach or a fan of, you know, we gave it our best shot and it didn't work. Now I, I think Auburn kind of felt dead in the second half, I think there was a time where they tried to come back, and then when Miami went up by double digits, it was just kind of good night from there. You can talk about the effort. You can talk about the energy at that point. Miami was definitely playing with more of, of both. Um, But I don't know how much you can just question, like, oh, you know, Katie Johnson, guys like that, like, definitely wanted <laughs> didn't want their season to end like this, and they were fighting really, really hard down the stretch. Um, you just didn't play well. You just played played your worst basketball at the worst time, and that's that's a gut punch I think for everybody involved with Auburn basketball um, because there were so many moments this season where they were so good and they were so um, you know they, they were so exciting and they were so entertaining um, and you just didn't get as much of those moments down the stretch and I, like Pearl said I don't think fatigue was a factor in this one it was just more. You know, you showed your youth, you showed your inexperience, and you showed some of the some of the weaknesses in your game, um, all at the same time, and uh, against a team that's very well coached and has and doesn't have an NBA player, uh, but that's a that's a good college basketball team that that found its stride, you know, towards the end of the season in Miami, and that's why they're going to the Sweet Sixteen. It was so set up too. I mean, goodness. Oh man. You talk about what a missed like, opportunity. It's so funny that the time that Auburn went to the Final Four, it, they it could not have been more difficult, right? And this year it was kind of the opposite. You were it's the complete opposite. Going to play a bunch of double-digit seeded teams if you kept winning, probably until Kansas, right? Yeah, you know Arkansas has kind of had that the last two years. You know this year um, where they've been able to kind of make it to make it to the second weekend. You know taking advantage of some upsets or an upset, I guess, in the, in the case of the second round game, um, Auburn was going to get that chance and they missed it. And now Miami is going to have a chance to take advantage of that because they're going to be the higher seeded team. Um, 
they're going to be the better seed in that matchup against Iowa State. Um, but I mean, I mean, look how many top sixteen te- seeds went down in the first weekend of this tournament, and um, we thought this season was going to be wide open in college basketball, and um, there was no true team that kind of separated themselves. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think pretty much everybody in the first weekend of those top teams either lost or came really close to losing um, and got scared by a team that they, that they should have taken care of. Um, and so now you're going to get this kind of wide open field, you know, for the most part, I mean, people still really like, I don't know, Villanova is Villanova the exception to that. I mean, Villanova pull, pull away on Sunday, I think um, like Gonzaga, Villanova, like there's some really good teams in Kansas Duke. There are obviously some really good teams, I guess. Yeah. Duke. That was a really tight, tight game all the way to the end. I yeah, know. I don't think the score really reflected how no. good of a game that was. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that as someone who literally watched it with his eyeballs happened right in front of him. That was stupid. Um, so, I mean, Auburn got caught up in that. and um, But, yeah, the opportunity was there. It's going to be a big missed opportunity. But, um, yeah, is there anything else you want to add about this game? I want to – the second half of the podcast, I want, to, I want to talk about the season as a whole. We can look at – we can project ahead to the future. Um, but I also don't want this to, you know, for Auburn fans, I want, you know, again, like I said, I'm not going to police how people react to this game or react to this season, but I also think there's a lot of good and a lot of positive and kind of talking about them in a, in, in a big picture and what, what this, what this season meant. Um, I wanted to take some time to kind of do that, but is there anything else from this game? It just, everything kind of went, went against Auburn outside of that little 10 minute stretch, that second quarter, so to speak. Um, Everything kind of went against them, and um, their shots weren't falling. Miami's shots were falling. Miami played better. They played worse. I mean, just just unless your name is Jalen Williams, and unless you know you're looking at the that little stretch when Auburn made that comeback to get down by one. I mean, even then, I mean they they fought and they were down by one, and they played a bad first half. Uh, they just played a bad second half, and Miami played a whole lot better second half than they did first half, and that's that's pretty much it. But I don't, is there anything else you want to add, to add to that about this game specifically? No. Just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Just very, very bad basketball. Yeah, I uh I uh it, it's a tough way it's a tough way for this to be the end for this team because I think this team um was a whole lot of fun and, and even with the inexperience and some of that. And we'll and we'll talk we'll talk again, big picture. Um but just Really brutal way for for that one to end, um, and uh, yeah, it's just you know we could belabor the point over and over again. And you know, if you're listening to this, you know you can read the observations. I'm gonna make them free by the time you're listening to this on Monday, because um, like you know, if you want to read it, go for it. Um, you know, it's kind of like with the with the end of football season how that was, um, but yeah, Auburn just didn't happen in the most shocking way possible I think this year because even in the losses you've seen Jabari Smith and you've seen Walker Kessler play so well and they did not and that's that's going to be something that you know it will be so weird to look back on that that be it uh, for a long time and I think for Jabari it's not the end of the world for him a guy like Chet Holmgren is going to go further in the tournament um, but uh, we have seen really good draft picks um, somebody point I think Sam Vecini I think he retweeted somebody. Our buddy Sam Fasini, uh retweeted somebody. Does a great job with the draft. Um, pointing out like how many like top, like number one, number two, number three picks of the last few years just had really bad final college games. 
Um, so that shouldn't that shouldn't affect Smith too much at all. It's the the overall body of work is a whole lot more important, and I think the overall body of work still needs to be important for Auburn and this particular team. But a few things before we move forward in our in our program. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, appreciate. Uh, okay, if you're listening to this and you're a subscriber, thank you guys so much for making all this possible. We had as much pe- we had as many people read uh, and click on and open and 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 take you know devour basketball coverage this season as we did football season. I mean, even in the high points for Auburn football, um, that's not normal. But you guys read and listened to basketball pretty much as the same amount as you did with football this year. And that's not normal. And I appreciate you guys for making it possible. You, this is fully independent. You know, we, we, we are fully, um, we, we are fully financed by you guys. And that allows me to go on the road and cover this team, which was a blast this year, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, you know, it 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 allows Painter to make this a worthwhile thing for him to do, um, and he does, he I mean, keeping him late up late one more time for for this season. Um, but I can't thank you guys enough. Um, we grew during basketball season. Um, that's usually not a time where you get more traffic and more subscribers as a whole, just not for, especially for an SEC team. Um, so thank you if you're, if you're a subscriber. If you're not a subscriber, check us out. Um, we have a seven-day free trial that you can you know, just go to auburnobserver.com slash trial. If you just want to click around and see what, it, what it's all about, get the emails, get in the groove, get the premium podcast, you can do that. If you want to go ahead and, and support us by getting a full subscription, we would be very, very grateful. $6 a month, $60 a year, but we really enjoy the way we're doing this and we really enjoy, you know, being fully independent and like this style. Um, I know for me especially is, is is, it's meant a lot. And so you guys helped made, make this all happen, right? You wanted the coverage, you paid for the coverage and the coverage we got, I I, I got to do it. I could have done a lot better uh, and we could have done a lot better on some things, but, um, we're, we're looking forward to keep keeping on building uh, through the offseason. Um, and we've got spring football coming up. Well, they're in the midst of it right now, and we'll get right back into it. We said as soon as basketball season ended, spring football would be the, would be a focal point again. And, you know, I'm going to cover Auburn basketball offseason as hard as I would, you know, Auburn football offseason. That's, that's my goal. I want this to be as close to 50-50 as possible uh, because I think these two teams um, – you know, I think I think basketball's put itself in that position. It's a real rambling way of saying AuburnObserver.com. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have and you're a member of the inner circle, um, I can't thank y'all enough. And I know I know Painter feels the same way. Um, Painter, tell them tell them how they can uh, help us out by paying absolutely no more money though, uh, if they want to continue to be uh, a, a purely free listener, or if they're an inner circle member who hasn't done this yet. Rate, review, subscribe. Go to that little purple button, little Apple button. Click on it. Type in the Auburn Observer. And then you'll hit the little five-star button. I think usually you have to scroll down. Type in a few words. That helps us a lot. Um, tell all your people. 
you know, we got to stay strong in these trying times. <laughs> I do delete Twitter. Not like like the account, just off my yeah. phone. Just like, because, you know, it's just throwing gasoline yeah. on a fire when you're emotional. Yeah. Yeah, you can avoid that. You can avoid that. Hey, we uh, we appreciate all of our podcast reviews. Uh, five stars, writing something nice. We read them out because we're vain people, but we also like to shout you guys out. Um, we've got a new review to read here. Um, I love the uh, I love the name here. Um, this review is from Tenderoni nine oh eight. Uh, best option to stay rooted to Auburn sports. As an Auburn alum living in Texas, my Auburn sports limited information is limited to what I can seek out. The Observer gives me everything I need, so I know. Team, uh, the team and players and what is happening on or off the field, court, gym, all of it. Painter and Justin make the conversation enjoyable while I'm cooking dinner, uh, running, sitting in the sun, or driving up to pick up a kid in Fayetteville, uh, Cy, or Auburn. Hi, Henry. Shout out to Henry. Uh, thanks, guys. You're smart, affable, and I welcome you at our table for barbecue. Anytime you're in Dallas, if you aren't listening to this podcast and you love Auburn or even hate Auburn, you're missing out. Very very kind. I'm always down for barbecue, especially in Texas. I'm a I'm a I feel like feel like I am trying to like become a fake Texan over time uh, with my affinity for Bucky's and, and a lot of places out in Texas. But thank you, thank you. And if Painter and I are ever in the Lone Star State, we'll try to. Hey, Painter, we had a uh, we had some folks uh, run up on uh, on me in uh, in Greenville. They ran like, up and, on you. Yep, yep. Just point. Uh, saw some people that. Uh, you know, I met some people for the first time who were listeners and subscribers. That's always really, really cool. I'm very awkward during those times. Um, Painter knows this. Painter knows this. Um, I talk a lot on this podcast. Uh, I tweet a lot. Um, you know, I don't shut up a lot of times online, but uh, in real life, I am not a very right. uh, a, little, a little more introverted, a lot more shy person. Um, so I always don't know what to do with that. Uh, so, but I think, thank you. Thank you. Thank all of you for, for, uh, for chatting. Out. And, uh, I hate that we're not going to Chicago, um, yeah. you know, because it was, it, it would have been a lot of fun, but alas, we move forward. Um, look, painter, the, uh, the off season is going to be tough. I know for a lot of folks, um, they want to. They want to be comforted in these trying times. And look, the best way to do that is, is home field apparel, folks. It's soft. Uh, you can use it as a pillow. You can cry. <laughs> you can cry into it, man. Watching people miss cr- layups. and Somehow oh. a team with a bunch of guards just diced up the best front court in America. But whatever. <laughs> Again, the more the more we bring it up, the more we talk about it, the weirder it sounds. The uh, the shirts are comfy. Mm-hmm. They're great. I have a few. Every one of them, there's just a different emotion it evokes. Home Field Apparel, the number one place for premium vintage collegiate apparel. Like Painter said, it's the softest stuff. You can cry into it. You can snuggle in it, uh, make you feel better. You've got t-shirts. you got hoodies. Uh, the Peacock hoodie. Look, Peacock, I think I, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in a moment. I will remember Peacock forever. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and the excitement and just kind of the on the super online-ness of it, uh, was fun. You can get a, you can get the Peacock hoodie on sale right now. It's only 51 bucks. That's a steal for a home field hoodie. It's the most comfortable hoodie you're going to buy anywhere. Trust me. I have several of them. Uh, I just bought whenever I get back to Auburn on Monday, um, I've got a mystery box waiting for me. I got three t-shirts from home field. I don't know what teams they're going to give me. I don't know. I have no idea. 
Um, but I love the good brand three and I love Auburn shirts. <laughs> that, yeah. Three Auburn shirts. And now, now I'll have to start giving them out to people. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, like painter said, uh, you know, you, you might not just want Auburn stuff right now. Um, let me tell you, if you want to live vicariously through other folks for the rest of the tournament, uh, and I know some of you do, may I recommend the St. Peter's Peacocks? Uh, who Peter's are in the further in the tournament than Auburn. <laughs> Both beat Kentucky, though. Same yeah. number of wins yeah, against Kentucky. That's, Ken- that's true. Ken- and Murray State. You know? So St. Peter's and Auburn. Yeah, maybe people are just sleeping on St. Peter's. Um, maybe Murray State won't like us as much if Tevin Brown comes here. Yeah, I would. Eh, that'll. He, we talked about Auburn hitting the portal. I wonder. I wonder. You know, that's not tampering if I'm, I'm not if, uh, involved with the team. But uh, yeah, but the St. Peter's. I mean, there's four new uh, St. Peter's shirts up on home field. They ran them out on uh, on Sunday. You can get them if you're feeling uh, you're feeling the Peacock vibes for another team. Uh, maybe there's another team in the tournament that you're that you're going for, that you're rooting for, that you want to you know want to ride for. Um, Homefield probably has them, and they're going to have really cool stuff with that as well as the Auburn stuff. Fifteen percent off your first order at Homefield if you haven't done one before. Uh, if you use the promo code Observer, can't beat the good brand, and we appreciate them for uh, for for supporting us and supporting uh, the uh, the newsletter and the podcast. So homefieldapparel.com. Like I said, promo code observer, 15% off. Go get you a St. Peter's shirt or, you know, get you some more comfy Auburn stuff to cry into. All right. Painter, this season for Auburn basketball, I wanted to talk about it kind of in a big picture mindset. It's going to go down as one of the best ever, um, obviously. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of duh, uh, you know, for me to say that, of course. Um, you look at the winning percentage; it's one of the best they've ever had, uh, second best in the modern era of basketball. Um, fourth SEC tournament, uh, SEC title, um, second outright one. I believe that's correct. They're going to be compared with the '98 '99 team forever. The '98 '99 team um, went a step further in the SEC tournament. And uh, went a step further in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then had a better record in the regular season and in conference play. So I think they're going to have that number two if you look at it. But again, if you want to compare, contrast, and talent, different eras, different teams, different SEC landscapes. What this Auburn basketball team was able to accomplish this year, um, given that they revamped their roster, and with that little returning continuity went out and had the run that they did and have the title season that they had. I hope the way it ended and not just the Miami game, but the Texas A&M game, the road losses down the stretch after they had had the 19 game winning streak. I hope that doesn't take too much shine off of what everybody just witnessed because what you just witnessed is a season that is going to go down as one of the best Auburn's ever had. And we'll see what they look like moving forward. But for this team and this moment in this program, after what they went through last season, um, just a remarkable, remarkable way for them to, you know, be as successful as they did. They had a generational player and a, I think a generational center 
just because of how freakish uh, Kessler was throughout the year. Um, I just I, I don't know. You're 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 the fan perspective on this podcast. I know you know fans aren't a monolith by any means, and I know you have different takes and different opinions that don't you know necessarily reflect the the fan base at large. I mean, there's no, like I said, there there is no monolith here, but. I really do hope Auburn fans, once they get over kind of the pain of this game in particular, will get to kind of look back at this one and just say, man, that was a really fun team and a really special team. You're going to think about them whenever you think about Auburn basketball from here on out. They were fun. I'll be curious to see what sort of movement there is in the offseason. There's no doubt that this team was a blast. And, you know, this is especially true when they were at home. There was a – a lot of energy in Auburn Arena. It was. I mean, Auburn it, may never have a player like that again. I guess like I sort of jumped into that off the jump. That was redundant, right. but right at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. Right. But, you know, I mean, it is funny. Like you had Charles Barkley, and then about 40 years later you got something. And their, their playing styles aren't the same, but the type of player maybe – Jabari yeah. could become, and, and even that may be a stretch because what I mean, Chuck's like a top fifty player of all time. So let's just right. say NBA All Star. Yeah, I mean, Jabari. There were so many times that even when Auburn was playing poorly this year, he looked so good and he shot. I mean, it's just it's. I've said, how many times have I said this this season? You're probably already tired of hearing me say it, but there are only a handful of people on planet earth who are that tall who can shoot like that. And I know he didn't shoot well in this game, but for most of the season, he was unreal. And that, I mean, just watching a guy that you're like, if the rules were different and this is an NBA thing, not an NCAA thing, but if the rules were different, he had never came to Auburn because he had already been playing in the league. Um, You could tell, you could tell that. And, from the from the beginning, you knew he was a special player, and you knew he was going to be a difference maker, and then he could be super super special. But he got better as he was here at Auburn. I think he evolved his game. I think he did some things throughout the year where you saw that you know he was this guy was not projected to be the number one overall pick coming out of high school. Now he is, and I think it's going to be between him and Holmgren. We'll see how we'll we'll see how that all shakes out, but. You're talking about a guy that I think is going to firmly break Auburn's record for earliest draft pick. Um, and that that was – it's it, – you know, this, those kind of type of players don't come around often, and not just for Auburn as a program. I think just period. You know, there's just 6'10 shooters. How many of those are there, <laughs> you know, that, that do it quite like he does? Um and then, and then Kessler. You talk about a guy Auburn getting a second chance to get a guy that they really, really wanted the first time around. And Auburn took him and unleashed him into a guy that will have a good chance to win Defensive Player of the Year. And was an All-American like Jabari Smith was. Um, that front court, I mean, we knew going in, it had the potential to be the best they've ever had. And ending aside... I I think there's a good good argument to say that it was, and then the rest of it, Wendell Green and Katie Johnson and Zepp Jasper that backcourt, three guards. I mean that was all Auburn really played at guard this season. Those three guys clicked the way they did, 
and carried Auburn. It, it weren't perfect. There were inconsistencies. These are college basketball players. These are all young college basketball players with the exception of Zeb Jasper. But the way they clicked and the way each of those guys had a, had a way of playing winning basketball and winning games for Auburn um, was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, people absorbed the personality of Katie Johnson. They loved seeing his psychopath self doing the things he did. People are going to remember that forever, and I don't think Katie's necessarily going anywhere um, for Auburn, but you know, he, taught, he tweeted about running it back next season on a, late on Sunday night. Um, Wendell Green at moments looking like a guy like Jared Harper, and remember Jared Harper – you know, was all was that kind of nuclear uh, reactor when he was a junior? Um, quite, quite that level. I think Auburn can continue to build with him. Except Jasper's going to be back for another season, which is insane to think about. He's going to be one of those dudes where you talk about why is he still in college, kind of like half the Miami roster was. Um, it was a season where you saw guys like Jalen Williams and Devin Cambridge and Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan take steps back in their roles and they accepted it and they, it wasn't always perfect and it, it didn't always click, especially in the case of Alan Flanagan. And I think a fully healthy offseason for Alan Flanagan is going to be really interesting to see what like, because he showed flashes. There were stretches, even in this game, there were just flashes where it's like, man, that guy could really unleash it. Um, they're going to be veterans. They're going to be guys that you want to rely on. And, and we don't know who all is going to be back or not back from this team. Um, but, Guys accepted smaller roles because of the new talent, and that just doesn't happen everywhere. You didn't have the character or the chemistry issues. I think that's probably a better way to put it, the chemistry issues that you might have other places. Um, there were teams that revamped their rosters this offseason, including one in this very state, meaning Alabama, where they didn't really click the way that this Auburn team did and had the amount of success and Auburn overachieved based on where they were projected at the beginning of the year, whereas other teams underachieved. And again, the ending definitely can look as an underachievement in the postseason, absolutely. And I think that's what's always going to stick in the minds of, of some people moving forward because this team in the postseason was a little bit of a step back from what you saw at the very best, the, the 99 team. Um, and then the crowd and then the energy. I mean, it's just Auburn, it was so hard to buy a ticket to watch Auburn play basketball this year at home. Like, that's insane. Even the even the team that won the SEC or the team that went to the Final Four in those seasons, like, you didn't have that. The excitement, the this team was different. They they hit number one for the first time ever. It's a, it, <laughs> The ranking is meaningless, uh, sure, in the grand scheme of things, but it meant something to hit that benchmark as a program. And... This was the most fun team I've covered since the 2013 football team. And I think I would rank it right up there in terms of just how exciting it was and how fun they were to watch and cover and go out on the road and have these experiences again. And I think part of it is this was the first, you know, in football, again, don't want to get too inside whiny media thing because I hate that more than anything else. But, like, with football – just the way the press box is and the way you can, you still kind of feel apart a little bit. And, and the, and the zoom interviews were different. And I think in the postseason you got to do these things a little bit more in person and the crowds were different, at least from our perspective. And you had more, better access to it. It's just, it felt like being back to normal again. And I think that's what I'm always going to take away from this 2021, 22 team is that 
this job kind of felt like normal again and it kind of accelerated the website, the the newsletter, the podcast. It, it helped us, you know, kind of grow and get us into a position where we're like, heck yeah, man, we're going to keep doing this and we're going to keep doing it on our, our own terms and, and independently and call our own shots as, as far as we can take it. But they were just fun and, and the fans were fun. The memes were insane. The peacock was, <laughs> was a fun thing to follow. And, you know, I just I, I I hope I hope Auburn fans will get to celebrate this team and cherish this team as much as some of the other ones throughout the years that may have had better postseasons, like the Final Four team. Um, because you know I'm just a guy who covers the team, and you know I'm not a fan, but I had a lot of fun with it, and so I hope I hope a lot of you did as well, because. Um, Man, they were a ton of fun, and there's there's a lot of moments and plays and games and tweets and memes and just stuff throughout the year that you know quotes, interviews, press conferences that um, that I'm gonna I'm gonna is gonna stick with me for a long time, and I and I hope it sticks with a lot of a lot of y'all who paid your hard earned money to go watch this team um, because it's different for me to say that as somebody who gets paid to do this, but anyway, that's that's a lot, but. I don't know. As big picture wise, this it was a sucky way for them to go out. I know, and I, and I think a lot of fans um, are kind of going through it and might delete Twitter off their phone like Painter did. But um, I just hope I just hope it gets celebrated, you know, the way it probably should in time because what they were able to accomplish, even with the lackluster postseason, is something that I think could could you know define. Um, you know, kind of this this phase of Auburn basketball under Bruce Pearl. You got a got a big contract out of it too. You know, you locked in your coach for for a long time based off of a lot of what you you went through as a team this year. It was a special season. This team developed a really cool personality, especially given how short of a time many of them played together. Yep that that element was fun to see come out throughout the year, and certainly that was uh, always on display at home. Uh, the the mm-hmm. crowd and the environment and that sort of bled online where we're hyper online, you know, that was, yeah, it was a culmination of a lot of things. I think this year too, like the success Auburn had gotten itself onto the map to some degree with the regular season and the conference title and the final four. But this time, this run this year felt a little bit different than any of the success they've had under Pearl previously. And I wonder how much of the heel persona and that, you know, they wanted to be the villains this year for a lot of teams they played against, a lot of fan bases in the SEC. I wonder how much of that gets retained without Jabari and possibly without Walker, right? I think as long as you have Katie Johnson, you're going to have some of that to you. But I think back to the Bahamas trip where that team showed that like, this is who we are and this is how we're going to play. And this is how we're going to carry themselves or ourselves. And it just launched from there and it didn't always work out. And it didn't end the way anybody wanted to, I think for, for, for Auburn, but it was a whole lot of fun to, to write about and talk about for sure. And I think they were a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, and I think they were unapologetically them. And look, 
I know that that rubs some fans the wrong way. And I know not everybody's on board with that. And I know that when a team loses like that, that's just ammunition for those people to be like, up, 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 see, look, up, told you so. But, um, yeah, that's playing the results, I think, a little too much. This team, this team, I'll always remember them being, being the, being the heels and having Jabari jaw at Jim Beheim and, um, KD stare down John Calipari while closing him out. Oh, while closing out a defender or closing out a, uh, a Kentucky player on defense and just that, just that whole energy. I wonder how much of that stays moving forward because I think now that Auburn basketball is in a spot where making the tournament is an expectation and being one of the best teams in the sec is an expectation and bringing in elite players and turning them into NBA guys is an expectation. They're not the ragtag underdogs, you know, anymore. That arrogance and that pride and that villain attitude. Wonder how much of that stays moving forward. Cause they're going to, they're going to continue to be this talented and they're going to have some of those personalities still out there. So, I don't know. What do you think? I tend to agree. As long as Katie Johnson is there, <laughs> it's going to be hard for them to be the the choir boys. As right. long as Katie Johnson is out there I on the think floor, to some degree, they may not have a choice. Yeah, looking forward to the future, though. We just assume that Jabari Smith is gone, which I think is a fair assumption, safe assumption. I would probably assume the same thing about Walker Kessler. Now. We have seen guys that have been talked about as potential lottery people come back for another year. For Kessler, it's like, are you going to play better than you did this year? I know the ending wasn't great, but you're one of the best shot blockers we've ever seen in the modern in the in the last decade plus in the modern era of college basketball. You've been one of the best at it. Are you really going to? You know, it, it might be one of those situations like a uh, like Jared Harper did when he left early. It's like, okay, you know how much. More are you going to raise your stock? Um, and this is about stock. This is not about, you know, obviously Walker Kessler came back next year. Auburn's a whole lot better team. Um, and you feel different about them. But, and I, I do wonder how many guys leave um, and transfer for better situations, or better playing time situations, I'd, I would say. I think even the guys that stepped back and did not play as big a roles this year um, or didn't play at all in certain games, I think the camaraderie and the connection and the chemistry of this team was still there. I think these guys were very, very tight, and you could see that on and off the floor whenever you were around them. But guys that love their team still got to make the best decisions for themselves, and maybe that's playing away from Auburn. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some movement there. You are bringing in, you know of right now, Trey Donaldson and Chance Westry. So... What does this roster look like moving forward? I, Bruce said it after the game. He was like, I'm going to continue to make the promise that I'm going to bring in good guys, guys that these dudes are going to want to play with. Um, you're going to have to fit the, 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 per, the way the program runs, the way it operates. Um, it's kind of their style, the blueprint that they've, that they've laid out. But I think Auburn, if they have spots open, and we already know they're going to have at least some – scholarship spots open um be aggressive in the transfer portal look at what you just did with walker kessler look at what you've done with katie johnson and wendell green and zep jasper it's a pretty good pitch to make to anybody who wants to come play for auburn um 
And I don't think the incoming freshman thing's done either uh, because, like I said earlier, uh, there are some guys out there that are still uh, not at their final destination yet in this recruiting class. And uh, more than one of them is connected to LSU and that move there. I think Auburn is prying very, very hard, trying very, very hard, I should say, to pry them away. Um, And so there's there's a good chance that uh, I shouldn't say that. Every time I say that about recruiting, it makes me sound like I'm an insider. I'm not. I think there's a chance that Auburn adds a guy that, who's not who's not in this class right now, who somebody they haven't signed, who's, who's going to be a freshman. Um, they're going to push hard for those guys, those guys that decommitted with all the all the changes. It's not just LSU. There's, there's other changes that have gone on throughout college basketball with this carousel. Um, I would imagine Auburn's going to try to pounce. And um, Bruce Pearl – not everything was his decision to make with the roster overhaul this offseason, but, um, you know, a lot of it was. And he made the calls and he made the moves. And in a more normal recruiting environment, I wonder what that looks like. But I think the thing everyone's thinking right now, though, you get to the end of the season, we talk about how great Auburn was on offense and defense this year as a whole throughout the season. Top 25 offense, top 10 defense this season. Finished the year 269th in the country in three-point shooting. Now, Auburn obviously scored a lot of points and won a lot of games without having an awesome three-point shooting team. You know, Jabari Smith still shot 42% from deep for the for, his, for the season. But are they going to upgrade in the shooting department? It's going to be interesting to watch. I think that's the thing. You know, this past offseason, the big thing that they had to 100% address was – backcourt defense and they got Zepp Jasper and they got Katie Johnson I thought Wendell Green played his tail off as a defender this year and was better than people thought he was going to be coming in they addressed that the biggest thing you look at for this team next season is they've got to address the fact that they were not a very good jump shooting team and <clears throat> you look at the you look at the upsets that have happened you look at some of the big wins that have happened um in the NCAA tournament you look at the upsets, like I said, like a, like a team like St. Peter's is a great example, but others like with Michigan beating Tennessee, like there were teams that just went ice cold shooting the ball and the better shooting teams moved on. It's got to be something you have more of in March. It's, you know, I'm not saying Auburn couldn't have gone to a Final Four playing the way they did this season, but the Final Four team was a team that scared everybody to death with the way they shot the ball. And so I think Auburn's got to get back closer to that. I think you still want to have elite front court players. I still think you want to be more balanced. I think you want to have that awesome defense that they had this season. But they got to address that. They got to address uh, how they shoot the ball next season. And you're losing your best shooter in Jabari Smith on top of that. So it's going to be a fascinating offseason. And, I, and I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of – covering it from a roster-building perspective and, and just what happens next. Because I think this program, when you have Bruce Pearl locked in for the future and you have you have this level that you've established yourself as as one of the top dogs in the SEC, you got to keep that up. Because there's a lot of SEC teams that have made moves this offseason in their coaching staffs because they're chasing what Auburn's got right now. And they're chasing to be a team like a Kentucky or a more consistent, you know, trying to trying to chase some of that consistency that Tennessee's getting right now. That Auburn, I think Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee showed that they're Arkansas, or showed that they were the ones. 
LSU obviously making the big move with what happened with Will Wade, and I think Alabama just had this drop-off this year, but the way they're recruiting, I, I would expect them to be back, but we'll see. They've got a lot of changes they got to make as well. But the rest of the league is not going to sit on its laurels. They're going to push to try to get into Auburn's range. And so what does Auburn do to secure that and make them a better and more consistent team moving forward with the pieces they have coming back, with what they're going to bring in in this new era of college basketball with the transfer portal and NIL and all that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's a big rambling way of saying future is going to be very, very interesting, Painter, and I can't wait to uh, cover it and we'll, we'll keep talking about it on here. We're not going to ignore basketball now that basketball's over. We're going we're gonna to keep pushing forward with it, right? Bruce and the staff weren't complacent last year with the roster overhaul. I don't expect them to be this year, so that should keep it interesting. 100%. Well, I think that's it for me. Um, once again, I want to say thank you to everybody who listened to these podcasts during basketball season, everybody who read the newsletters. I mean, we went weeks and weeks and weeks without – talking or writing about anything football related um and you guys you know didn't stop you like we didn't have people unsubscribe we didn't have have you know we didn't have a drop off in, in reading or listening this was an exciting team and and we appreciate you guys having that desire to hear and read more about this team we're gonna keep it up like i said my goal is to you know, cover this t- cover football and basketball as close to 50-50 as possible um, because I think that's where the programs are at this point. I think that's where basketball's gotten up to. Um, and we'll see how it all shakes out, but I think there's going to be a lot of stuff to write and talk about with basketball this offseason. Spring football underway. Uh, the next time we do a podcast, I'm sure we will talk a lot of football uh, and kind of, you know, look look ahead with, with basketball as well. Um, you expect some more newsletters uh, on that front. And uh, like we said, you know, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Um, This was a whole lot of fun, and you guys made it a whole lot of fun. And you made it all possible uh, to allow us to cover this team the way way that we wanted to. And we're going to keep doing that. Uh, We're not going anywhere. We're going to do this as long as we can. So I've said way too much in this podcast already. Painter, send us home your final thoughts. We did win the regular season title, folks. (laughs) 